Hello, and welcome everybody to episode three of Tennessee Two's Disc Golf Podcast. Hope everyone is having a great day, and hope your holidays have been really good so far. Uh, my name is Ethan Jenkins, and my co-host here. <laughs> I threw it on you. What? Mm-hmm. Yep. It was good. Mine was great. Uh, other than the wife getting sick. But, uh, you know, things like that happen. Mm-hmm. At least it waited till after Christmas. You know. That, that that was the key. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we actually went and looked at the lights the same day, just different sets. <laughs> yeah, remember? Because he was like, uh, when I was messaging you, he was like, oh, yeah, we done, we, did, we went and done that earlier. Oh no. The table, it's broken. <laughs> the stream, it's broken. Can you guys hear me now? Can you hear me now? Oh no. Oh, they can hear you. They can? Yeah, they can now. Talk again. <clears throat> It's not doing it again. So, whatever you was doing just a second ago, do it again. <laughs> no. Maybe oh, gosh. I Maybe I need to. Say something. No. Okay, cool. Yeah, we broke it. That's uh, that's what we were looking for. We were All trying right. to break it today. <clears throat> I fixed it. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's do a little bit of a roll call here real quick. Yeah. Let you guys know what we're going to talk about. Um, we had some news coming out with Nicola Castro we're going to cover. Um, PDGA announced some of their 2023 stops along the majors. Um, we are going to give out our FPO award predictions, though way too early award predictions. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, there's a few more rumors swirling around, including, uh, Kevin Jones we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, last week we had kind of gone over the possibility of, uh, putting bag limits in place. And this week we're going to talk about the par difficulty and, and see how the pro circuit's going and see mm -hmm. if, uh, See if there's something we can't maybe think about changing there. Um, then we're going to cover our uh, 2022 goals for the amateur season. That yeah, for the both ourselves. Of us have. Yeah. So, so you know we got to get a little better. We uh, we got some goals and we gotta we gotta hit some of them. So, um, hey, let's go ahead and get started then. Um, All right. Nico Castro. 
he decided to part ways with Westside, or Westside decided to part ways with him. They call it mutual. Yeah. It's an early termination of contract, so it doesn't feel very mutual, regardless right. of what they say. What are your thoughts? I can't, it kind of blindsided me, to be honest. Um, I, I thought Nico fit. Like I look at Nico and I see Westside. <laughs> yep. You know, personally. I I really thought that uh, he suited that brand very well, or the brand suited him very well. Oh, I completely agree. Um, you know, I I'm, and he had a pro tour win this year with Westside. I I don't really know. I feel like it's got to be something to do with marketing. Um, the way he might be upset, the way that they've been pushing Matty O out. Um, yeah. Because there has been videos left and right of Matty O. This is his discs. This is what he's doing. This is this. This is that. And Nico didn't get that. <clears throat> um, at least not in nope. this kind of spotlight. No, I, I, you know, I think I completely agree. Um, you know, it, it's always tough when you see that people, quote unquote, mutually agree to part ways. Um, a lot of times it could be really true. A lot of times you see that maybe the company or, you know, in, in terms of like maybe football or baseball, especially with coaches, you'll see something where the coach is like, well, you know, your front office is not giving me what I've asked for when I took the job. We're not making the moves for players I expected. And then the front office has the same kind of idea. So what well, you didn't do with this team, what we expected either. Right. And then the, those, those are kind of those situations where, you know, the mutual agreement kind of makes sense. It felt like there were failures on both sides and they both said, you know what, this isn't working anymore. Um, I don't get that vibe with this move though. I don't either. I, I really, I really get the vibe that there were unmet expectations on one side and they both said, you know what? All right. Well, I don't want to deal with that. So right. we're going to move on. Um, and personally, I, I think it would come down to Nico more than Westside, but it's it's a little harder to tell because Nico doesn't uh he doesn't social media like a lot of the players. So what you end up seeing in those kind of situations is that the company makes the announcement first, which is actually fairly uncommon right. for what we've seen a lot this off season. Yeah. Um but yeah, Westside was the one who came out and posted it and I I feel like a lot of it might come down to the Matteo deal yeah i do too um i think that <laughs> nico came in and his fir first thought process was he was going to be the face of west side for at least the entirety of the deal that he had right and bringing matty owen means that he's going to lose revenue based on disc sales with his name on them because now they're going to start putting matty o's name on a bunch of stuff and that's the new and the latest and greatest thing so people are going to go out and buy those discs, and that means that, you know, Nico's going to lose a little bit of money. Um, Which is possible, but sure. you could look at it the other way, too, as in it brings more sales to Westside in general, which could put more money onto Nico's plate if that's the way that his contract was worded. Because that could be another thing, is like, yeah. the better the company does, the better I do. Or I could just be like, I'm making my money off of disc sales, you know? So, <clears throat> and given given the prestige that Westside currently has, 
I would imagine that there is no clause in that sort of a contract that would say he gets more money just because West Side's doing better in general. Right. You know what I mean? Um, being that he went in there to be the face of the company, essentially, I, I would say that, that that kind of a clause wouldn't be in there at the current time. Right. But at the same time, if that is his motive for leaving, I don't know that I really agree with it. Because you can't walk into a company being the only signed player and then expect them never to sign anybody else, right? Right. You know, especially in the disc golf world as it's growing right now and you've got a lot of players who are coming in and out and um, looking for the next next opportunities that they have. I, I'd have to imagine if this was what he did, my first thought is that it was a little bit selfish. Just personally right you know but again everything we're talking about is all speculation we have no idea you know we're just good at speculating (laughs) for all we for all we know it could have been the other way around and west side said nico's not playing the way that we expected him to when we signed him to the money that we agreed to pay him and he's not worth what we're paying him and you know and it could could be what we talked about earlier with like you know nfl coaches and stuff it could be a little bit of both could be nico feels like he's going to lose money because of matt and that uh west side feels there's not quite as much um out of that contract that they were supposed to get originally right what do you all right so let me hear uh (laughs) i love chat going right now i love it yeah yeah thank y'all for interacting we really do appreciate it appreciate Um, it and where do you see Nico going? I have my ideas, but yours are a little bit further out there, I feel like. So I want um, to I want to hear those first. I you know in terms of the next move for, for Nico, I, I think I I wouldn't say that I have too much of a dark horse on this one. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that I think he's gonna move to a mixed bag this year. And I don't know if that means infinite or you know, like an OTB or maybe an EV7 contract or anything along those lines. But I'm pretty comfortable with the idea that he's going to play a mixed bag this year. Right. I, that, yeah, that, I can see that's that. pretty much where I'm at. What do you think? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I could see OTB. I, I don't know how much more infinite can do. Uh, they've done a lot, you know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that's absolutely true. Um, I I don't really know because my gut is telling me that uh, Ricky's leaving Innova and Nico's going to go to Innova. Um, I think that's you you call that's a dark horse right there. I like (laughs) that actually. That's uh, that's my gut feeling. Now is that the smart thing? No, but that's that's what's in my gut. Um, I. I don't think that it's not the smart thing because um, assuming Ricky leaves that you can check mark two major losses for Innova now this season mm-hmm. and nobody to gain, you know, um, I think you see a lot more of Calvin Heinberg's face, you know, in terms of Innova coming up this next season. Um, Gerthy should have a huge, huge surge in terms of disc sales and stuff like that if Ricky leaves. Um, but Calvin Heinberg would still be the face of, of the company. Yeah, I, I think so too. But 
um, that that could be something that benefits everybody a little bit because Anova brings in, you know, somebody who is, you know, a, a former major player um, right. and absolutely has the talent and potential to continue to do that and play like that again and win Worlds and win USDGC. Absolutely has the tools in the bag to do that. Um, and I don't... I don't see a whole lot on the market right now. We'll talk about KJ later, you know, with the rumors. But in terms of what I see, I don't see a whole lot of players moving towards Innova this year. Yeah. So I think I think Nico could actually be really good for them. Yeah. Is Innova the dynamic of the past two years? Right. You know, that's. Right. <clears throat> Do we call this a rebuild? Yeah. You know, if if Ricky leaves, would we consider Innova in the rebuild stage? Um, I couldn't tell you, and the only reason I say that is because I think this next year, how this next year plays out will determine that for us, mm -hmm. because it's not a rebuild if, and only if, Calvin Heimberg performs to his potential. Right. If he comes out, because he's utterly capable of doing everything that Ricky did this year, if he settles down and focuses specifically on his putting side. Right. Um... We know he's capable of being that good of a putter, you know, but can he keep the focus four rounds in a tournament and hit all of the putts he needs to? Um, so it really depends. If, if Calvin Heimberg cannot turn that corner, then yes, I, th I think we're seeing a couple of years of rebuilding for Innova to bring their name back up to the forefront. Right. But if Heimberg <laughs> does turn that corner, then no, not so much. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with that. I mean, what if Innova lost Heimberg and Ricky? <laughs> um, then they would be about as well off as the Astros were five years before they won the World Series. Which is to say, <laughs> they had a record of like 50 and 110. So. I bro. <laughs> but their FPO... St uh, their FPO field is stacked, really, though. You know? Yeah, but um, you know when I I want to point this out. That's not the first company we've said that about. That's true. You know that is true. FPO, but the the thing is, is FPO is just such a different game because FPO is kind of the one side. Like MPO, you know that there's going to be a player somewhere throughout the DGPT that goes out and just utterly outperforms his capabilities. FPO though, you always have the feeling that somebody who's not top five could go out there and win big tournaments that year. Yeah, you know. Yeah. FPO. Right. So in in that in that case, FPO feels a little bit different. I think the power swings in FPO aren't quite as heavy as yeah. they are on the MPO side. <laughs> um, but yes, they do they do have a good FPO team. But you know, when you look at it, so does dynamic, and so does discraft, and yada yada yada. So FPO is just. I'd have to look at their team again, but they have a couple. <laughs> I don't of, know. I mean, they have a couple of. They had of, they had Paige Birkus, which is Paige Shu now, but she's not played. Um, after she won Worlds, she kind of took a break, focused on family, and had a baby. And maybe she, I see on her Instagram, she's been playing a lot. So maybe she's coming back this year. Maybe it's time time to come back around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was, but she was anyways. one of my favorite FPO players. Yeah, yeah, she's a 
she had a good personality too. People people tended to like her. There wasn't when, like a whole lot of because when I very first started was the year that she won worlds. Um, okay. so there was a lot, dynamic was pushing her name out a lot. You know what I mean? And yeah, all absolutely. these informational videos and stuff. I still remember her patent pending video. Yeah, she's still one of the best patent pending throwers in the game. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. But yeah. Um. Now that we've covered Nico, uh, do you want to go ahead and go into KJ or? Nah, we'll we'll wait till. Let's let's keep it to fact here, and then we'll start once we start <laughs> okay, moving towards okay. prediction. Um, we only got a couple more things to talk to talk about, and these ones are going to go real quick, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one I want to talk about is Worlds. Yeah. Um, Worlds, as we know, is is the big major tournament that is going to rotate every single year. The bid winner this year ended up being Smugglers in Vermont. Um, what do you think? Um, it's at Jonesboro this year, right? Yeah, next year. 2023 is yeah. the bids that we right. were, we're talking about right now. <clears throat> it was, uh, where was, it was it, uh, Hornet's Utah. Nest this year. No, that was, uh, DGPT. It was at Utah, uh, the Utah yeah. Open. What, the, Ogden, the Fort? Ogden, Utah. The Fort yeah. and the other one. Okay, yeah. So it's going from Utah down to Kansas this year, right? And then Vermont in 2023 because yeah, they're, they're playing emporia this year i think so i think it's Emporia. i believe yeah so that they're definitely rotating it around heavily um yeah. a lot of which, people which is are pretty super usual for stoked. worlds yeah a lot of people are super stoked i've seen on social media about it being in a smuggler's notch in 2023 yeah that is a the northeastern swing is probably the touring professional's favorite swing and as viewers, it's probably one of our favorite swings as well. We get to see, you know, GMC and the yep. MVP Open. You know, it's a, yep. it's a very good swing up there. A lot of good yep. competitive disc golf. Um, so I'm all for it. But does it still happen in June is, uh, is, is what I wonder because <clears throat> usually I it's a little later on in the year. When they do the Northeast Swing? I think it's changing, though, because the um, the cycle of the Pro Tour now being operated has obviously shifted severely. For example, the Music right. City Open has shifted from one of the last tournaments of the year to one of the first tournaments of the year. Yes. Um, and it's also just a Silver Series instead of a National Tour. Yeah. So let's see, let's see, let's see. There we go. Um, nope, that was the wrong one. Where did it yeah, go? I literally uh, just had it up. Uh, there were several of the stops that got knocked down to Silver Series. Um, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah. Which is, it's it's not a big deal. They get to work their way back up. Yeah, but. there we go. Okay, so, yeah, 2023 Jefferson... Vermont, which is smugglers. And I don't think I see a date in here yet. Yeah, there probably won't be until the schedule drops at the end of the year this year. But we know that they're gonna use Brewster <laughs> and Fox Run. Right. Um which I like. 
I do too. Um, one of the reasons one of the reasons I really like Smuggler's Notch in in that area, um, in particular, is that between those two courses, you really get the opportunity to go out there and win by being an in the middle player. You mm-hmm. know, you don't have to be a big bomber, you don't have to be the best woods player, but you do have to be sufficient at both to go out there and win. You know what I mean? So I think that's that's a pretty good one to go with. Um, Obviously, we know that Ogden, Utah was rough. We know that Emporia is going to be good simply because they've, you know, they're capable of holding these types of tournaments. Um, I think Ogden was just overwhelmed right. with what they needed to do, um, and they just weren't prepared. But it um, sure did set up for a nice hole 18. Yeah, <laughs> that sure did. Uh, all the bleachers and stuff there. I really enjoyed the watching that course. I know the players didn't necessarily care for it too much, but yeah, I, I mean, I think the the thing about Ogden was that the courses themselves were not bad courses. They were, right. you know, difficult enough and definitely well designed enough to be a world championship course. Mm-hmm. It was they felt that the tournament directors and the people who handled the courses before the tournament did not do their jobs properly. Right. For example, I think it was hole sixteen or hole seventeen. Um on I can't remember which course it is, but there were there were a lot of holes that I know had really bad issues with their T pads in particular. Mm-hmm. Um they were using a lot of those the fake grass pads and a lot of them were like patched together or slipping right. away or you know and, and a lot of people weren't necessarily upset about the courses themselves but just the preparation for the and tournament was poor and, and not done well so you know when the conditions aren't good and it it's not that they're not good because of uh you know unexpected and unforeseen events like music city open right where you had you had some tough conditions out there because of the remnants of hurricanes pushing through this was pure oversight by the tournament directors and failure <laughs> to get the course to the level it needed to be um, right. specifically on the t-pad side so that's you know that's something that i know we're not going to see at emporia and i know we're not going to see a smugglers so i'm sure you know that yeah that that's kind of one conversation thing i'm really should be excited the about <clears throat> is to see how it's ran at smugglers i feel like it'd and, be good yeah i think it'll be re- ran really well at jonesboro too yeah um they, um, I mean, that's a disc, uh, uh, that's a disc off heaven. There is Emporia, Kansas. Yeah. So, yeah, so that that should all be really good. Um, and you know, I'm excited to see some of the changes that we make because, you know, that um, I I believe, um, Smugglers is would probably still hold another major tournament there, whether it's a Silver Series or something. And you know that they're not going to run the same layout that they right. do for Worlds. So I'm kind of interested to see what they do in terms of some basket movement or maybe some T-pad movement out there and give us a little bit of a new look at the course and see what they could do. It's one of the things that I always love about Hornet's Nest when they go back is that every year there's a few T-pads that have moved another 40 feet back or they've changed the look of the tunnel um, that you have to throw through and, right. and stuff like that. So that that's one of my favorite thing about about worlds is they're going to go to courses, but they're going to change the courses a little bit more than they would for the annual right. tournaments that are already there. So yeah, give some that surprise factor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's move on to the Champions Cup. 
Now, this one's a little bit more controversial. Um, the Champions Cup has been officially announced to be rotating in a similar bid fashion to what we're going to see out of um, out of Worlds. Right. Now, one of the things that I think is the downfall of Worlds is that I love that it's a rotating championship um, versus like USDGC, which is hold, held at the same venue annually. Um, but one of the things that I don't like about Worlds is that we call it a World Championship, but Worlds basically never leaves the U.S. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I would love to see Worlds make it into another country every now and again. And obviously, there's problems in the current climate that make that difficult. You know, we don't even know if we're going to have a European Championship this year. Um, it's scheduled, but it, are we going to get to it and actually go forward? Right. Who knows? Um, and I know that 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 would make it difficult for Worlds to go there, but I would like to see Worlds be a world title and actually make it out into the world, like maybe even Japan a few times and stuff like that. But Champions Cup, a lot of people really liked the idea of doing that down in Aplin, Georgia. Um, they didn't really have a major circuit that touches there every single year, right? even though it's one of the best courses in the country. Um, and a lot of people really loved that for the inaugural event. And there was a lot of hush-hush, and nobody really talked about it. Are they going to rotate? Are they going to stay in Appling, Georgia? There was a couple people who even speculated that they might build a course somewhere, Strictly maybe Innova that. or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, specifically for um, the Champions uh, Cup. So now we've um, fast-forwarded to today. We've had the announcements now that they are going to rotate it through a bid session. Um, so the winner for this one is going to be, um, the toboggan course in Milford, Michigan. Um, yep. I'll go first on this one. I love the choice of the course. I don't love the decision to rotate it. Right. Necessarily. I really liked the idea of having another consistent stop in terms of the majors mm -hmm. um and even i really liked the idea of possibly building a world-class course specifically for this new major um, right. something to bring this major <laughs> to the forefront and make it truly feel like a major because i know it's a major event and they've labeled it as a major event but it's the inaugural season so we don't know how much it's going to feel like a major when the players right. are there you know it feels like a major to the players because they know it's the big money and the big ones to win, but what can they do to continue to make that feel like a major in the future? And I don't think that a rotating major was going to make the right choice on this Right. One. I mean, the only reason that Worlds works is because it has that title, World yep. Championship. And technically, it should move around and out of the country. And, you know, Australia one year, back in U.S., and then Europe, and then, you know, yep. wherever. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the Champions Cup, they could have really worked something out with the new course that's being put in, um, in Arkansas, right? The Eagles yep. Wing, Eagles Nest, is it, uh, I know it's um, Eagle something. Eagles, <clears throat> I believe it's Eagle, yeah, Eagles Nest, I believe. Yeah, Eagles Nest. But it's, I mean, who spends over a million dollars building a disc golf course? He does. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's gonna be, you know, world class material. And yeah, I mean it's something it's, like that is rare. So why would you even, not try to do something with that? Yeah, we we've seen it already, obviously, if you've mm -hmm. watched like some OTB skins and stuff like that. We know that um 
it's a beautiful course. He's admitted that there's still changes to be made and it's not completely done, but it is already at or above a championship level course. Exactly. It's so, so aesthetically pleasing, dude. Yes, the and it's absolutely the way the holes are. Yep. Crazy. The the out of bounds lines are very elegantly designed mm-hmm. because we know that players don't like OB. They want to play natural courses, but at the same time, when OBs are well done, it still makes for a very fun experience. And exactly. they've done all of that and put it together. And I would love to see a course like that be yeah. a, a regular stop on the national level. So I love Toboggan. I really do. I have no problem with the decision since they decided to go with a um, touring event, if you will. I don't have a problem with Toboggan, right? But we're gonna see Toboggan every year, yes. you know. And regardless of if there's yeah. a Masters, or, you know, yeah. or not. Whether, yeah, whether it's, uh, you know, about what is it usually? Is it Glassblown Open? That's Toboggan. Deglo, right? Yeah, Deglo. Discraft, okay. yeah, because they're in Michigan. Discraft. Yeah. So Great Lakes we, Open. <laughs> Great Lakes Open. That's right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we we know that they're going to stop there every year, and that's something I think that the majors, besides Worlds, should avoid. Right. Personally, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. So that that's my only thing. There's you know a lot of other things we could talk about, but that's yeah, that's I, me. Yeah, we covered that pretty well. I. Mm. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, I'm I'm just gonna be excited if it plays that way I can watch it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm never gonna complain about disc golf unless it's just really really poor. No. All right. Um, um, let's move from the world of fact from what we've seen, and enter the world of pure imagination. Yes. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about, if you guys remember last week, we talked about our 2021 MPO and FPO awards. And this week and next week, we're going to go over some award predictions. They're not going to take us too long, but just keep it in mind that these are pure speculation. These are some things that um, might be a desire in our heart that we want to see more so than we really expect it to be. But also, you know, it's, it's something that we have calculated at least a little bit that it's possible. Right. So, uh, with that in mind, um, our five awards, if you guys don't remember, are going to be the MVP, which is just like a player of the year, um, the putter king and queen, um, parking king and queen, and then um, <laughs> you're going to have uh, the comeback player of the year, and then a most improved. So, you want to kick off our MVP and what you expect? Okay, so <clears throat> next year, um, I... Until proven otherwise, I will consistently go with Paige Pierce as MVP. All right. Yeah. I'm assuming you don't have too much to say about it. I don't <laughs> think I even have to. No. She's just hot, and I, yeah. I, you know, I don't blame you. Um, I'm gonna go off of that just a little bit. Um, and kind of go. I want to go off the beaten path a little bit more, and uh, my hope is to see Haley Kane as player of the year next year. Okay. Um, I don't think the, the thing about Haley King is, is it's not like how we talked about Calvin Heinberg, where he really needs to turn a corner 
to be right. a player, you know, to to be the next Ricky. Haley King already has all the tools. She already uses all the tools on a regular basis, and she's very close. Um, all she really needs to do, if you if you look at it, is just make up a couple of strokes at a few tournaments, and she can easily beat Paige Pierce out for this award. So that's what I'm hoping to see. I really want to see her just pick up a couple extra strokes in a couple of tournaments, and I think she could she could be taking right. down the player of the year next year. I can definitely see it. It's yep. pretty open right now, but like I said, until yeah. I'm proven wrong, <laughs> until she's yeah, proven wrong. Yeah. Um. And then, for the why don't you go ahead and go with your, your putter of the year? Um, I. I'm gonna continue with Heather Young. I know that was my thought for this year as well, but uh, she's a really good putter. <laughs> yeah, she's really good. Um, so I'm gonna stick with Heather Young. Um, yeah. All right. All right. I can. Uh, I can totally get with that. Um. Yeah, actually, I have no complaints. I am going with Heather Young as well. Oh, she was, yeah. And she's she's just that much better in terms of putting, specifically mm -hmm. from Circle Two. Um, we know that Paige takes a little bit too many chances um, when it comes to that sort of stuff. She runs a lot of putts that she shouldn't, um, and sometimes it's going to get her into trouble. So one of the things that you see out of Paige that you're not going to see out of a lot of players is back-to-back -back Circle Two putts because of right. some dangerous runs. Um, Haley King could make a run at it, but you know, I still think that Heather Young is the best putter on the circuit right now in the FPO side, and I think she will continue that this year. Yeah, I agree. If not, extend it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, um parking <laughs> queen. So I'm gonna go a little bit out on this one, and I'm going to I. For um, my predictions for 2022, or 2021, um, I thought it was Kristen Tatar, right? Okay. Um, hopefully we get to see a lot more of the Europeans, um, Estonians and such this year, yep. you know. But I am going to go with Haley King as my parking queen. Um, okay. I think that she does improve a lot this season. I think a lot of them do. Yep. Um, and to go along with your MVP, uh, Player of the Year statistic, um, if she's parking holes, she doesn't have to worry about <laughs> the, the head game so much, you know? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, one of the things that we really saw um on both the MPO and the FPO sides were um the more consistent that you were hitting circle one, circle two and regulation and parks as well, the more likely you were to be going out there and um and taking the wins. Right. Um so yeah, I think I definitely don't have any complaints about that. Um you ready me ready for me to go? Yep, go for it. Okay. You and you and I are gonna flip flop here. Um I think that um like I said, I 
I think that Haley King really just needs to um, come out and take a few strokes back in terms of, you know, how she's played to come out and be the MVP next year. Mm-hmm. However, she was behind um, in basically every statistic when it came, when it came to um, those kind of things. She's behind in right. fairway hits. She's behind in parks, circle ones and circle twos in regulation. She is way behind. And even still, she went out there and put on an absolute show. So for me, I think that she can still go out and win the MVP award without going out and being the highest parked circle one percentages, Um, maybe even circle two. I think that to be MVP, Haley King needs to bring her parked percentage from 9% last year up to maybe 11%, which still would not be up with Paige Pierce and Macy. Um, I really think that... uh, Paige is still going to continue to be the parking queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's just my view of it. I, I think she's too good off the tee or out of the fairway compared to most of those players. And yeah, she takes a lot of risks, but she takes a lot of risks because she has an arm talent that's above most of that community, <laughs> if you get what I'm saying. Yep. So for for Haley King to go out there and be MVP – she doesn't need to get to Paige Pierce's level from last year, I don't believe, in terms right. of those per- particular statistics. Um, but she does need to take some strokes back, you know what I mean? So that's that's my choice on Paige, and that's why. Okay, so I was confused. I didn't know who you were picking for Parking Queen. Okay. Nope. I see, nope, I see. All right. um, for the Comeback Player of the Year, uh, female, I am going to say Kona Panis. Um, she started off the year hot. She really did well. Thought she had found her putt, and then had to go back to the drawing board. So I think she's gonna have it figured out this off season and gonna come out swinging. And I think she gets the comeback player of the year. All right. Um, I'm going a little bit off the cuff. Um, I'm gonna go with uh Des Redding. Okay. Um. Obviously, the biggest reason she qualifies is she hasn't toured in a little while after having a hip replacement surgery, and mm-hmm. she expects to play a full tour this year. Um, and we had kind of talked about it earlier, but uh, she's actually who signed with discs or mint discs oh, okay. for 22. <clears throat> um, obviously, we know she's capable of being that player. Um, she is completely capable of doing what Corver did this year and winning a uh a you know rookie of the year kind of campaign depending on their rules and and how much she's played but um she i think is is the most likely to be a comeback player of the year just based on the rules and the concept and the caliber of player we know her to be um it's a little bit of a dark horse pick because hip replacements are especially touchy and we don't know you know, she says she plans to play the whole season and play the whole tour, but we don't know if her body's going to hold up to that. So right. it's completely possible that she's not going to be capable of finishing out the tour, which would obviously diminish her chances for that type of a an award greatly. Right. But I like the pick. Um, yeah. And for our last section is most improved. Um, and 
I'm gonna go with who should have got rookie of the year. Okay. Um, in my eyes, I, I, um, Stacy Ronsley. I think will be the most improved. Um, we see her in the top thirty a lot. Um, I think she pushes those into top tens and top fives this year. Okay. And that I feel pretty confident in that actually. <clears throat> she's doing her thing. She's touring. She's got it figured out. She knows what she wants. She's gonna give it. Super okay. upbeat personality as well. So I look forward to it. All right. Um, for my most improved, I think I'm gonna go with um Macy Veladias. Okay. Um. I think for her to go ahead and take this award, I think she needs to play a full season, which she has not done yet. Um, and then I think she needs to win at least two events. Um, right. She's obviously capable of playing at the top level. She took fourth place at Jonesboro. She tied for third at the uh, DD Open. Um, she placed third in the Music City Open and seventh in the Throw Pink. Um, and she... Did not perform quite as well outside of that, but again, in terms of the actual season, she right. didn't play that much. So she needs to play a full season to be most improved. She needs to win. I want to say she she has to absolutely win at least one, probably at least two, right. for me to really consider her the most improved. And then she needs to be top 10 finishes, I would say, what did they have, 12 stops? I'd say she needs a top 10 finish including those two wins, probably nine out of those 12 stops. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that. <clears throat> nope. Not but with, not with the Europeans back over. No, but I think she's... <laughs> best of luck, talented. you know what I mean? She's, I think anybody can do it. Yeah, she's talented enough. She has, she has the talent, but just like any player, she needs to put it all together and, mm -hmm. and make it consistent all the way through. And because, you know what? It would be cool to see somebody from uh, Tennessee come out and, yeah. and really wreck it up on the FPO side, you know? I know. <clears throat> so. be, that would be, uh, you know, awesome, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, and best of luck, for sure. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully she can get that done. Yeah, yeah, I really, uh, I hope so. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Continuing our world of pure speculation, um, let's talk about uh, KJ. Yep. Mr. Kevin Jones. Mr. Kevin Jones. We joked around um, last week about this. Yeah. Um, and I just happened to bring it up that I'd seen him talking to Jeff Corns, and then the next thing you know, he's on with the disc golf guy. And oh, speaking yep. of which, let me just tell you, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm I, like, the timing couldn't have been better. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, for those of you who haven't seen yet, there's a little information that came out on Twitter um, that seems to be pretty well um, authentic in terms of it actually being an interview with, with Kev. Um, basically, he said that his contract is up this season and he we should be expecting an announcement soon. Now, I don't want to get too crazed about this right. because it doesn't necessarily mean anything. It could be that 
We know his contract's up and he's renegotiated and he's going to stay put, but it's going to be for something bigger than we saw before. Maybe even a contract for him so large that he's actually going to announce the monetary values. Right. However, I'm more inclined to think that he's leaving. Okay. Um, and for me personally, I don't have anything to say in particular that would support this. It's more of a gut feeling. Um, but as we all know, and maybe even can agree on this, I consider him to be the unluckiest player on the tour. He goes out there and has yeah. the worst breaks when he's in the best positions more than anybody else on the tour. And you know what? You take so many bad breaks, maybe you start thinking about the silly stuff. Um, one of the things we saw was really funny that floated around disc golf Twitter this week was, uh, somebody had kind of put out a post that said something about stop blaming the discs. Maybe it's just you, or if you keep blaming, blaming the discs, you're never going to get better. Yeah. And yeah. that floated around a lot of the disc golf world. We saw a lot of the, a lot of people yeah. from foundation tweeted out a couple of big names tweeted it out. It was really funny. Yeah. However, However, when you're a caliber of player like Kevin is, eventually maybe you start thinking in your brain, maybe it's not me, man. Maybe yeah. it's the discs. Maybe, maybe it's time discs. for a change, you know? And I, I'm not going to disagree with that. I, look, I played baseball pretty much from the time I was 10. I played baseball for at least, you know, two seasons every year, like a uh, spring and a fall from 10 years old to 20 years old, essentially. Right. And let me tell you, the superstitions are real, man. You go 0 for 20 with a bat or a certain batting glove or a certain pair of socks or a certain pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. Bro, those are out the window. You are changing something to break that streak. Right. Now, I was never <laughs> that kind of a player. I, I think I only had, in my entire career, one streak that went 0, 0 for 15 ever. But I will tell you, the, the number one thing that I did was I changed my bat. Right. Um, because I had changed my bats before that season started. And I did pretty well at the beginning of the season. Everything was working well. And then I hit that 0-4. And I was like, all right, I need to change something. Something's not right. Um, and, you know, the first thing my, my dad and I did was we looked at my form and said, is there something that we could change about it? Um, I was lucky enough to be coached by somebody named Andy Dominique, who was a catcher for the Red Sox when they won in 2004. Um, fun fact, I've actually had the privilege of holding some World Series rings, and let me tell you, they are heavy. <laughs> if you've never held a World Series ring, that that thing's, that sucker falls in your hand and it weighs your hand down. That thing is heavy. So, um, but, you know. We had the we had the beauty of going through him and saying, "Look, you know, nothing on your form looks wrong. It looks like you're swinging as as we've kind of prepared you to do this season. Sometimes strings of bad luck just happen, and and that's just how it is. But I went out there, I changed my bat, and after a week, I was starting to hit like normal again. So right. that bat never made it into my uh, my baseball bag again. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Kevin go and maybe think about doing something with a new company, see if he can't break the streak of bad luck he has going." Right. Um, I, he's done so much this offseason with Prodigy, though, is the only, like, that's the only thing, and I think he re-signs, um, personally, I do, I think he stays with Prodigy, uh, 
But I'm just saying, it would be really cool if he did sign with Discraft and we had... They have the nuke, but we could totally have a KJ grenade. Yep. I'm oh, just yeah. saying that would be sick. <clears throat> Make think, a specific grenade disc for him. And You know, even... Yeah, even if we didn't do that, I think... I think we might see something new on the um, distance driver side mm-hmm. if KJ joins. So I'll go ahead and make my prediction. So since you said he's going to stay, I think he's going to leave. And I think it's going to be Discraft. Um, yeah. And my heart says no, but my brain kind of says yes. I, you know, I feel like Discraft doesn't need anybody else on their team, but they've had such a surge of success the last couple of years. They have the capital for it. They do. So, um, you know who else has got we, capital for it? Discmania. Innova. Oh no, Innova, <laughs> I don't know if Innova does or not, bro. But no, we we know Innova has money, like, especially if Ricky leaves. <laughs> Discmania, they can't keep anything in stock. Like, no. And it's not the fact of the the amount of pieces either. It's just everybody is like so die hard into getting anything and everything right now well you have to there's a lot of excitement about the brand after the whole end of a shift right now the, yeah there is but you also have to remember the end of a shift of itself because the end of a shift happened in the middle of supply chain shortages so that means that they started their shift when they weren't able to get the materials they needed which to... was great, honestly, because nobody could. So therefore, no. they wasn't falling behind. They weren't falling behind, <laughs> but it also means that they are a little bit more behind now. And I say that in the concept of they went out and they had to make new molds. They had to design a new plastic, technically. Um, and then they had to order that plastic. And plastic has been the number one shortage in terms of every company. And to go out there and create a full new lineup that everybody is excited for has also put them way behind. So that's that's kind of the struggle. There's there's a 50% struggle there. I mean, we're going to talk about it later, um, about some of the stuff that we both got for Christmas. But we'll, I'm going to bring one up for you right now is that Cloudbreaker. Yeah. Um, the DD3 Cloudbreaker. And <clears throat> the Cloudbreaker right now, if you guys haven't seen brand new ones that have never been thrown right now, are going for like 300 bucks on eBay currently. And they are nigh impossible to get unless you're willing to pay some money. Yeah, I don't. Um, I that one is strictly luck. Uh, the way that that happened. Uh, I was sitting there. I was waiting. I had my stuff in, and I still got rejected. But somehow, my mother-in-law didn't get rejected, and that was my Christmas. Yeah, no idea how. Uh, I don't either. Um, that was that was really cool. But but did anyways, you get one no, that's, that's, I got that's, another question my before prediction. you. Before you cut it off at this minute, I got another question. Um, what do you think of the Rainmaker? Have you watched the videos uh, on it? Okay. So, my thoughts of the Rainmaker might not be very nice. Um, it's a slower Luna. Mm, it looked way more shallow than a Luna, though. Lunas are very shallow because basically they, the way they talked about it is they're like, it's going to be a more shallow version of, of the P series essentially. Yeah. And that P2. The P, the P series 
like I, I have a P2 in my bag and it's the only putter that I have that I cannot fan grip because it's so deep. And um, the Luna, besides the Envy that's in my bag, is the shallowest um, putter that I have. Okay, I could see, the, it, I could see it being the more shallow, one. but <clears throat> the Luna um, is not shallow. Um, a no, Pure but it, it, is shallow. A Proxy yeah. is shallow. You know what I mean? Like, a Luna is glidy for a reason. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But, but yeah, as far as like to the P2, yes, it's probably a little more shallow than the P2. Yeah. So I don't, the way that they talked about it and also the way that it looked out of his hand when he was throwing it, um, looked understable. It, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's that shallow. I don't think it's like NB shallow because NB's very close to being like a mid range in terms of how shallow it is. I don't know. I'll let you know. Let but, because I did get a box. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I don't. One. We'll do a little review. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a bad thing, <laughs> if it is, you know. But right. it looked. And the other thing to me was the sh the overall shape of it because they beveled the edges a little more, like a Luna. Yeah, I've seen that. So from, the thing about the Luna is that, it is, it, and this is part of the reason why it probably feels a lot more shallow, and why I talk about it being shallow is that the dome bevels off. So if you guys are imagining the shape kind of goes like this, Just grab it. and then Just grab it bevels down. Yeah, well, it, it might be pretty hard to see with this camera. It won't focus when if I get it close enough. But it, it comes out, it bevels down, and then it curves around the bottom, whereas the P2 is mostly just out, and then it's very long and deep curve. And I think that bevel is what makes the Luna feel so much more shallow, is that because it bevels down towards the rim, and the way that it comes off your hand, that means the rim is only going to be this deep as opposed to the P2, which is this deep. So because of that bevel, it feels more shallow. And I, uh, the Rainmaker looked like it had a very similar type of a bevel. And that, that's part of why I looked when I first saw that video. I was like, it's kind of a slower Luna. I don't know. See, I, I you've... we're going to have to do a Twitter poll. Is the, sha is the Luna considered shallow? <laughs> I I just I I, I can't I can't see it. I I think I'm uh, I can Here, very, actually well you know what I'm fine. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab I'm gonna grab the P2 which is actually sitting <laughs> in the chains and I'm gonna grab the Luna. And we're gonna look at them real quick. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know how it was so upsetting to see him take it out of the basket. And not hear what was chains. That? I said it was so upsetting to see you take it out of the basket and not hear chains. Not hear the chains. Yeah, oh, Discord, Discord like, would have uh, yeah. would have taken that out anyways. All right, so let's go ahead and kind of look at these shapes real quick, mm -hmm. if we can. So you're kind of going to see what I'm talking about there, where it has a very steep bevel from the dome, which is fairly flat on the top, but it bevels very heavily right here. Mm -hmm. You see that bevel? Yeah. It comes down. It's a very rounded edge right here. And then underneath, it's only about half of my pointer finger right. in terms of that first knuckle versus the P-series, which has a bevel, but it's also much taller. It and you can taller. see that the, the rim, how <laughs> deep that rim is right there, and it has a bevel on the rim, which means that it has to be deeper just in and of that. And this one is nearly all the way to my it's knuckle. It's like three quarters. So this, I cannot fan grip this because of the fact that when I get my fan grip underneath, 
I like to be able to touch my pointer finger to the flight plate when I fan grip. Right. And then my knuckle's kind of resting along the rim, and my pinky is actually holding the rim when I fan grip, okay? I cannot do that with this disc. It's too way too deep for that. And a lot of putters are like that, um, mm -hmm. putting putters, you know. But the Luna was designed in mind to be a putting putter that was throwable. Yeah, very so, and that, putting putter. And that's what we kind of got. Now, the flight numbers, if I remember correctly, on the um, on the Rainmaker were 2301. So it has less fade than a blend Luna. But he also mentioned that you're going to get a different fade depending on your plastic, which is the same with the Luna. The harder right. Lunas do not fade. You know, the stiffer Lunas don't have that fade. Both of them have an understability to them. I like so, how they didn't talk about the actual plastic, though. The Flex 2 and Flex 3. Like... Nope. They just said one was soft and one was firm. Yeah, but we know nothing of those plastics. You know what I mean? Nope. That's... No, but... He did, and that was that was another reason why I started. I thought of it a little bit like a Luna, was because from the way that I took it when he talked about it was they specifically designed the blend of plastic for the putter, mm -hmm. which is exactly what they did with the Luna as well. Which is yeah, that could be very well possible. Kind of like so. uh, Paige did with the Fierce. Yep. Uh, blended the ESP and the Jawbreaker. The Jawsp. Yeah, Jawsp. The Jaw. Called the Jospy. <laughs> the Jospy. So, yeah. So that that's my thought process. Of course, we're not going to know anything until we get our hands on them, anyways. Yeah. Um, for all for all I know, it could be as close to a Luna as a Valkyrie is to an AVR. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. That's, it's this is just cool. speculation. I, yeah. But I see. I didn't get that out of what I had seen. So it's that made me interested, I guess, seeing what yeah. you had thought. Um, I just couldn't help but notice, like, it didn't really show him putting with it much. It was always, like, throwing it at the basket from short ranges. Um, yeah. I was like, why? But like, it, I know you it, can putt that. But Eagle's a spin putter anyways. He is. He is, but... So, it's gonna... Naturally, it's gonna about... come out of his hand more like a throw than, like, a push putter. He's not gonna nose down it like Calvin would or something but like that. But he was know? throwing it. Yeah. I and mean, it was turning. You know what I mean? Like... Mm -hmm. And that was... And, I mean, he was hysering it over to a turn, which is another reason why I thought of the Luna, because the when the Luna gets past the first ten hits in the basket you can turn it over with ease. You don't even have to throw it hard. See, mine wasn't like that. I must have had a freak. Like maybe. It was like maybe, a zone. maybe you didn't it might it might also be that you didn't use yours as long as I did. Right. But again, at the and the other thing is what was yours the special blend or the tour series? No, the, it wasn't tour series. Was it was it the it looked just like your green one. <laughs> oh okay. Is what it looked like. Yeah and I I mean, I found basically after one day of practicing putting with it, the flight path changed so dramatic it wasn't even funny. And it's possible that I have the freak, but yeah, um, but I've watched some people. I mean, it the Luna turns very easily for most people, which is why <laughs> a lot of people don't throw the the special blend, the putter blend. Yeah, they throw the tour um, series mainly. Yeah. Um. So or the that's, crystal Lunas. Yeah, which is. Mm, just a hair off from the tour series when when we look at it. They're a little bit but more yeah, we'll, stable, right? 
yes, because the um, the tour series I think is a special blend as well. Um, but, but I think it's softer, more towards an ESP. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a little more understable, and the the Z is obviously going to be more overstable. I think there is a there's a um, the tour series actually might have been something more akin to a big Z as opposed to ESP actually. But I can't remember off the top of my head. I'd have to look at it. But yeah, no, I'm. I mean, I'm excited for him. But you can only get so excited about putters, especially one that probably not even going to hit my local store. Right. <laughs> so. <clears throat> um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. I guess that's we, it. Uh, we will go ahead and wrap it up pretty soon because yeah we don't the wife just came in here and showed me her temperature and it's not great (laughs) no no so um we don't we don't have a whole lot more to talk about yeah we'll have to cut this one short um but let's um we'll talk we'll talk about par difficulty in in the pro circuit next week guys okay um but uh what uh let's talk about our next year goals before the new year yeah we can do that real quick um as of right now i am rated as 848 is my rating um my goal by the end of 2022 is to be in the 900s that is my goal uh i want to be at least 901 900's not good enough i want 901 at least you got to be above 900, not at yeah. 900. Which 52 points, 53 points is uh, a pretty big jump. But uh, <clears throat> I can do it. Uh, I feel like I can. Just yeah. got to play well, I, many more tournaments. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, part of the difficulty with ratings as well is um, going out there and playing semi-good on a much more difficult course a lot of times it's better for your rating than playing really good on a soft course. Right. So, like, your your rating right now kind of doesn't, I think, imply exactly what you're actually capable of doing. Because <laughs> right. um, that, that re- official rating is only related specifically to that last tournament, correct? Right. You don't the have anything else in your rating. rating. Okay, so one of the things I noticed, and I don't know, I've never been to that course, so I want to kind of put that out there but um ssa for that course i think was much steeper 13 down um yeah for <laughs> so for, basically for yeah so so 900 rated means that you have to go out there and play um probably five or six down five yeah five or six down every round <clears throat> every round and you know, you given the course that I saw, you're you're 100 capable of doing that from everything that I've seen about that course. From keeping in mind, guys, I haven't been there, but yeah, yeah that I think, layout I think was pretty say, pretty easy. Yeah. <coughs> so for for um the next tournament that you're playing in, that one's a little bit more difficult because that's a a pop up course, I believe. Right. But that one's kind of a big bomber course, it right? Is, it is a golf course bomber course, yeah. <clears throat> so, so we'll see. I think it'll par a little harder. Um, yeah. 
I think so. you could go out there. I think you'll be capable of shooting the same, you know, four or five downs at yeah. that course. Hopefully. I think we'll be you yeah, capable and Yeah. Capable and doing is a little different. I understand that. Yeah. But I gotta do well, it. I I think <laughs> you'll be able to go out there and, and shoot nine hundred. Mm-hmm. For Hopefully. sure. I won't be there. No. But, but you'll be at the next one. So I will be. I will be. Uh, any other goals? Um, honestly, that's the main one. Maybe we do like a midterm review, and if we've hit those goals by then, we set some steeper goals. Um, right. One more goal that I want is to find my bag. Um, I've got I carry so many extra discs that are like pending to go in my bag. You know, it's like where do these fit in? Do I need these? I would like yep. to limit myself to like twenty <clears throat> total, yeah, including putters. Um, and I, I've got my three putters, and I feel very confident with those. Um, so I would like to get to seventeen discs total, um, of, you know, mids, fairways, and distance. And I would like to add some mids, and get rid of some distance, because I only have two mids, uh, overstable and understable. And that's it. So, yeah, and we know we know you want to add an M- MD one. Yeah. both of us are both of us really would like to add an MD one. If anybody knows where we can get one, where we're not going to spend a hundred bucks on it, yeah, let us know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I want to add Reach an MD one in my bag as well. Um, but yeah, uh, I would like to simplify my bag, get some backups in, um, in the works as I'm working discs instead of trying to work them in the bag, work them sure. into being replacements. That's that's where I would like to be. Um, All right. Yep. Yeah, what about you? Okay. So, um, my goal. So I've never competed at uh, sanctioned events. I've done a lot of events before. I've even played some tournaments um, that were like full scheduled and run like a PDGA. But I've never played sanctioned events. Um, I really tried very hard, actually, to be number. 200,000 right exactly and it just it, it escaped me by a couple of hours so, so what did your number really end up in uh 200 371 oh dang so yeah it literally it was it was a couple of hours that i missed it by which i knew it would i was hoping it wouldn't but then when they reached um they reached like um 199 900 and then they posted about it and this was on christmas eve my 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 i might add and i was right. planning on signing up literally on christmas um because it was the only reason i didn't sign up early was because it was one of my christmas gifts because right. i asked for it for my membership this year <laughs> um so i i didn't get the chance and i almost signed up early but um pdga and a bunch of people on twitter kept posting about it basically hourly until they reached 200 right. exactly so their Twitter push actually pushed me out of the running for it because yep. if they didn't do that, I would have been able to time it at least to be close or one of the very first of the 200s. Yep. So there went that. Anyways, um, my goals, I don't have an official rating yet. Um, my unofficial ratings generally put me around 850 to 900 depending on the course and the day. Um, most of the time... If my putting is on, I'm pushing 900 pretty consistently. And if I'm not, then I'm pretty far down. 
So my goal is not to necessarily have any specific rating at the end of this year, but I want to be going out there and I want my last like three to four tournaments in a row all finish 900 rated average and above. Right. So that's that's where I'm looking to be. Um, and then we'll see where we go from there. If I can go out there and by June or July be already doing that, then maybe I start pushing myself a little bit farther. Maybe I look at 925 as a number I want to hit at the end of the year. But right now, right. I'd like to go out there and have my last three to four tournaments in a row finish 900 rated or above. I so, agree. Um, <clears throat> I kind of have a, a similar thing as well. I want I want to nail down my bag a little bit better. Um, my uh, fairway drivers and my mid drivers, my kind of in between, the slower distance drivers you could call them, are very well set. But my distance drivers are very up in the air. The only right. thing that I throw consistently above a ten speed is a strike, and I would love to maybe get one or two more discs in there that I get comfortable with, preferably on the more understable side. Um, because the strike is very great to get out there and use, but it, it it requires a good heave to get it to turn over properly and uh, fade, go right, and, and then you know fade Come out naturally without it turning and burning. Yeah. Well, I don't have the power to turn and burn that unless there's a headwind. That's it's a thirteen speed. That's a it's a, on a hazard flip, <clears throat> but it's star plastic. Yeah. Uh, well, mine's mine's a star, but mine's stiff and it's a flat top, not a dome. Right. So that that affects it. Mine's naturally more overstable than the pop tops that most people have. Yeah, so I, mean, I chose it. I chose it very particularly because I prefer flat tops to pop yeah. tops. Um, but I'd like to get maybe something in the eleven or twelve speed that I'm really comfortable turning over and not losing. That's mm -hmm. been the hardest one for me to to find to put in my bag. Um, and then. In terms of adding to my bag, I want to get a really comfortable throwing putter. And I haven't been able to do that yet. Um, I've been messing with a lot of stuff recently. And I think that something that's in my bag, I think I can get that Envy to work for me. But I just haven't been able to nail it down yet. So right. I'm not sure if it's going to be the disc I need. Because um, put throwing putters can be very touchy. You... A lot of times you start getting a throwing putter that's really overstable, like a zone, or you get something that's just, you know, you have to apply the right amount of power or it's going to flip on you. Right. Um, and putters are a little Should more touchy. So I'm trying to, maybe. They don't flip. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of trying, but I, that's the thing is I want something that I can get out there and fade right. Not but not, but not flip. Yeah. Not so I'm thinking they're the new one that they're coming out with. Mobius, possibly. Maybe, possibly. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Penrose is not um, gonna go right. Uh, it's just not. No. It's, it's and then yeah. My other goal is to play at least ten sanctioned events this year. Right. Nice. So I dig it. I like the. Uh, 2022 M season goals. Yes, I, I I I like it, and hopefully by about June we can 
Fuck those. Yeah, that's I, that's that's really good. That's where we need to be. <laughs> yeah, I feel. I I hope so. Yeah. I hope we can. I mean, because our our nine hundred rated goals aren't too far off from each other. Mine's just a little bit different format than yours, but hopefully mm-hmm. we can both get to June and say the next step. Right. Well, yeah, let's hit nine twenty five, nine thirty, whatever you know. Yeah, because I mean, if I can get to June and my last three events in a row were rated nine hundred and above, then I'll start maybe looking at my actual physical rating and trying to get it to a certain number. Right. But for mm-hmm. for me, most importantly, the actual player rating isn't so much important to me. It's consistently throwing rounds of a certain caliber I'm looking for. And the player rating will come with that, so... Yep. Yep. As long as you don't have some flukes here and there. Oh, which I will. Until I nail down down the putting form, I'm really comfortable using... Which, I think I've figured out the form I want to use. Now it's just... Doing it. Delegating delegating it to muscle memory, because I think about it too much right now. But it's the most comfortable form I've found. But I still have to think about it, and when you think about that many moving parts all at the same time, something misses. Mm-hmm. So, like the last time we went out and played, um, with uh, with Jesse, my biggest issue was um, soft releasing. I wasn't gripping the disc as firmly as I needed right. to. Um, <clears throat> the form was there, the lines were there, but a lot of times I was hitting front cage or the the pull low because. I soft grip in it, and that comes from thinking because I'm thinking about the arm angle and my foot and my footing and my kick and my body release, and something has to fall until you get everything down to muscle memory. Right. It's just, it's just natural. So, but I got that for Christmas. You can't complain about that. <clears throat> and that means that means I can go out there and. Um, I'll probably download that putting app. Yeah, Circle. I never remember what it's called. Uh, Perfect Putt 360. Yeah, that's one. Get out there and, and try to do that at least once every day. And then hopefully in about two weeks or so, the muscle memory will naturally kick in for me. Nice. I think so. I think so, too. Gotta put it, uh, you just gotta stick with it and do it. That's, yep. that's gonna be the main thing. Um... All right. Well, All right, y'all. I hate to cut it short, but I do have to. Um, no, it's it's okay. Luckily enough, we got past the, the disc hour. golf world was yeah. Disc golf world was quiet this this week, so we both kind of wanted a little bit of a shorter episode just because uh, Christmas and New Year. We had a lot going on last week, mm-hmm. and thankfully the disc golf world was quiet enough for us to not need two hours to go through everything right. like the last <laughs> week. So yeah, um, next week. I don't see the episode being too crazy long. I think a lot of our new announcements coming out. So unfortunately, I have to point this out. Ricky did not sign on Christmas Day or the day after. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so uh, I I said sometime uh, I was going for like you said January second, January second, which I, now that I'm thinking about it, probably January third, just because that would be Monday as opposed to a Sunday okay. when a lot of their offices will be closed, but. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully too much doesn't happen before then. Next week, we'll probably do another little bit of a shorter episode. Still a lot of, uh, family stuff, you know, holidays going on, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Um, 
So expect about an hour next week, and then after that, we're going to start kicking and ramping back up towards two hours again. Yep. Sure enough, and with some surprise guests as well. Ooh, baby. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll talk about that more Yeah, we will later. Do but guys, thanks so much. Uh, we're going to close it out. I appreciate everybody for coming through, um, and for the people that are going to be listening through podcasts, we really appreciate you. They're not on podcast uh, networks yet, but they will be. And, you know, if you're hearing this in future, <laughs> in the future, definitely come check us out uh, on any of our socials, Tennessee Twos, Disc Golf Podcast. Uh, we'd love to have you in any one of them to talk, comment, Absolutely. like, share, do whatever you want. <laughs> but y'all yep. have a great night, a great rest of your day tomorrow. And... I am signing off. Peace. Yeah. Daniel Bacon signing off. Have a great week. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs>